1: Welcome to Out of the Blue on this coolish Sunday morning in Melbourne. Um, I'm Donna, and I'm joined in the studio by Matt, bringing you today's program. Before we uh, kick off, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land Three CR is broadcasting from, and pay our respect to their elders, past, present, and of course emerging. And also acknowledge that this land was never ceded. We'll be right back after our theme song and a couple of carts. And today we are interviewing Natalie Labartolo, a master reef guard from the Great Barrier Reef. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: By Help 3CR support the rights of Indigenous Australians.
3: They mean to save our culture and save our dreams, our footprints, dreams, our songline and keep our culture going strong. Of course, a lot of the Aboriginals, having been stolen, were put into state care and also others... The recognition
0: of what our people have been through in the last 200 years, the recognition of our culture in the last 40,000 years and the recognition of where we are heading into the future.
2: Welcome to uh, Survival Day, Invasion Day. 223 years ago, the white man landed on our shores.
0: Subscribe to 3CR and help keep Indigenous voices on air. Call us on 941983. 77 or visit
1: 3cr.org.au subscribe now Welcome back you are tuned to 855 a.m. 3CR Community Radio or you're listening online at 3cr.org.au Um I'm Donna and Matt's across from me. Hi Matt. Hey hey. hey, hey. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, and on the phone we have Natalie Labartolo. Welcome to the show Nat Thank you, Donna. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. So just for our listeners, I'm going to give everyone a little bit of a bio of who Nat is and what she's all about. So Nat is a master reef guide on the Great Barrier Reef. She's a geographer, a marine scientist and a dive instructor and so much more. She has lived all around the world, speaks a few languages and for the past couple of years has found a home in Bundaberg, Queensland where she works to educate her community and visitors to the area on all things marine through her work on Day to a Boat Lady Musgrave Experience. And she's my cousin (laughs) and I finally got her on the show. (laughs) So thanks for joining us on the 3CR Airwaves, Nat. Um, One question I like to start with or all my guests, all our guests on 3CR, because um, we're all about the ocean and marine things, is where did your connection to the sea originate?
0: Well, I grew up in Melbourne, in the suburbs of Melbourne, and not very connected or in an oceanic environment, I guess, and so on my very first trip to Queensland, I was probably about six or seven years old and we went to the Gold Coast and hung out at the beach for a while and my parents took me to all of the theme parks on the Gold Coast and <laughs> of which one was um, SeaWorld and I fell in love with the ever so charismatic dolphin there and I decided that I wanted to be a dolphin trainer <laughs> as um, a, you know, very excited, enthusiastic six-year-old. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess just as I as I grew up, I... That was my original connection. But then as I grew up, I learned a little bit more and obviously discovered that there are um, much better ways to interact with or get to work with these creatures than in captivity. And, um, yeah, it kind of brings a lot more meaning to to what I do now because I appreciate so much being able to see them in the wild. And this dream of becoming a dolphin trainer when I was younger has uh, been so much more than that. That was Mm -hmm. like a kind of... uh, well, set off and then yeah, I get to work point. with them in their natural environment now, which is
1: amazing. way more special and
0: amazing. Yeah. So cool.
1: Um, and now you're a master reef guide on the Great Barrier Reef. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what a master reef guide is?
0: Yeah, so the master reef guide, mm-hmm. our main role is, I guess, to be a storyteller and to really put into value the world heritage. Uh, Values of the Great Barrier Reef, so, um, you know, talking about its its Indigenous values, its natural, cultural, historical, ecology, geological, all sorts of things like that. And not just throwing facts at people, but being able to tell stories and inspire people to kind of go home and still feel connected to the reef and maybe plant little seeds and have them think about what they might be able to do um, from home after being inspired by how incredible it is. Wow.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, is there an Indigenous aspect as well that I read about?
0: Yeah. So uh, when you're selected as a Master Reef Guide, we go through a pretty intensive training. And so we've had some field schools, we've, we've had some... Traditional owners come in and speak to us, so that's really kind of given us more connection and awareness. And each one of us Master Reef Guides on different uh, sections of the Great Barrier Reef have had the opportunity to be connected with the local group of traditional owners in our area and, um, in particular, in the south, we have a really great connection with our... um, ..the local Gadajal lands and sea ranges and... Um, especially this year, since I've become a Master Reef Guide, we've actually had lots of opportunities. They come out and co-present on some of our tours. They guide the island with us. Um, and they get, you know, we've had that interaction with them. So we get to learn a, a little bit more about the history. And they're able to share it from their perspective and from firsthand as well. So Yeah, that's really
1: cool. Also. So the Master Reef Guides, it's a new program, is that right? You're kind of the first, in the first batch of guides, is that, that's right? Yeah, that's right. So I was in the first cohort. Cohort, not batch, sorry. Batch,
0: yeah, (laughs) 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 batch, like
1: pancakes, right? It's not a cake Um, batter. Yep. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um so yeah I had my field school last November and then we graduated in February this year. So yeah it just started this year and um it's grown since there are 49 of us now. Um but yeah we were the first 13. And, um, yeah, quite a special little exclusive group for a little while. It, mm-hmm. it, and it's still really exclusive because 49, 49 might sound like a few, but there are thousands of operators on the reef. So, um, you know, to have a Master Reef Guide is, is pretty special,
1: still really unique. So how, how are Master Reef Guides selected? Is there an application process or do you have to be working with a specific operator or um, do you just apply as a lover of the reef?
0: Um, um, No, it's not that simple. Mm. Um, You do have to be working for a high-standard tourism operator. So um, Lady Musgrave Experience, for example, is recognised as a high-standard tourism operator, and this is um, based on a lot of things. So it could be based on TripAdvisor reviews. Um, There's a whole bunch of criteria that um, Tourism and Events Queensland and um, the Australian Marine Park Tourism Operators and the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park um, kind of set out, and you have to tick a lot of boxes to be this high standard reef operator. It can't just be any old operator that takes people out to the reef and let them trample the coral or whatever it might be. <laughs> you know, we we really have to um, like care and be really dedicated to just sustainability and to, to caring about the reef and being quite an educational experience as well.
2: Cool. Yeah, that sounds like yeah. that sounds amazing um, to be part of that. And what does what your like average day on the reef look like as like a as a guide?
0: Oh, well, um, it depends on our skills, but um, I have probably a, a pretty wide skill range, so I get to do almost everything. And the best thing about working with Lady Muscove Experience is that we have the island, so we get to guide people around the island, and that gives us a lot of opportunity to share a lot of conservation messages with people as well. So we'll bring the island to life, whether we're talking about the history, the geology, um, the, the ecology, the birds, the trees, the formation of the island, all those kind of things. Um, and then we have the island tour. We also have a glass-bottom boat tour. So we have the glass-bottom boat tour. You don't even have to get your hair wet and you can still see and learn about the reef. <laughs> um, and then um, I will. a typical day will be, like, riding, and maybe I'll do a snorkel session or a dive. It could be introductory dives taking people diving for the very first time ever or taking certified dives, so people who are already um, certified to dive and I will just guide them and point out all the cool stuff.
1: Mm. What kind of cool stuff are we talking? Because you're a southern, southern Great Barrier Reef, is that right, in Bundaberg?
0: Yeah. 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 So it's the southern Great Barrier Reef. This is an awesome spot for turtles. There are turtles everywhere. And if, um, Lady Musgrave is actually quite unique because it has – a very large lagoon, and the reef creates a barrier all the way around. So it's like a massive swimming pool. And when I say massive, I'm talking about 3,000 acres. Um, so it's a really, really big lagoon. And if nature were to create the perfect nursery for marine animals, it would be Lady Musgrove Lagoon. Oh, wow. To go in there and have their babies, chill out, rest, have a nice, safe, protected place. Um, yeah, it's perfect. So lots of, lots of juvenile animals, Lots and lots and lots of turtles all nice. around. Um, they love it in there. So it's, an, it's a really amazing place to get to swim with
1: them and get up pretty close. Awesome. Every time so. I've ever been on any kind of snorkel or dive boat where – there's the possibility of seeing a turtle. I haven't seen a turtle. Uh. <laughs> I, know. I feel a little bit I tell ripped people, off. If you come here and you don't see a turtle, you're
0: swimming around with your eyes closed because I haven't awesome. yet worked today that I haven't seen
3: one.
1: So it's
0: a pretty good
1: spot. Yeah, I'm gonna have to book in some flights. I think. Um, what kind of turtles? All kinds, or no? A few well, key actually, ones?
0: yeah, there are a few key ones on the Great Barrier Reef. We're pretty lucky. We have six of the seven species found worldwide. Um, but at Lady Musgrave, we find predominantly three different species. So the most common one is the green turtle. The green turtle is my favorite. If uh, if you've seen Finding Nemo, the green turtles, I think, are the ones that the turtles of Finding <laughs> Nemo were based on. They're always they've got these real droopy looking eyes. They're really slow moving, they're always looking really cool. I never heard one say do, but you can imagine it. <laughs> you can imagine them swimming past and be like, Hey do really rad. It's awesome, you know. Um, So that's the green turtle, and then we also see the hawksbill and the loggerhead turtle.
2: Oh, the loggerhead Um, would be amazing to see. They're the huge ones, aren't
0: they? Yeah, you know what? A lot of people think they're the biggest of all the turtles. The green one's actually the biggest, but the loggerhead Uh often seems like the biggest because they have this massive head. So I feel like it gives them this kind of dinosaur appearance. You know, if ever there were a turtle that could be a dinosaur, it would be the loggerhead turtle. They are pretty prehistoric looking. And it gives them, yeah, they just look really, really ancient and they look massive. But the largest growing turtle is actually the green, the green of all the hard-shelled turtles. So, yeah, green is the biggest, but a lot of the times the loggerhead seems really, really massive because they're they're
2: big noggin. (laughs) Wow.
1: (laughs) Um, Now, so you've a Master Reef Guide but you're also running a program called Reef Keepers. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So um, this year we created this community of reef custodians, I guess, Mm -hmm. and uh, we call them the Reef Keepers. So it's a local group of community members. It's made up of teachers. We've got a coral aquarist, some pretty avid divers, some local Reef Guardian leaders from their schools. So um, the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park have a program called the Reef Guardians Program, and um, it's basically creating creating leaders within the school. So I've kind of handpicked a, a couple of those, and um, these this group of reef keepers, come out to the reef to monitor the reef, learning um, citizen science methods, and they also have a project to go back into the community and share a reef health message that they've learned with their networks. So, yeah.
1: What kind of monitoring do they undertake for parts of the reef?
0: So we're looking at a couple of things. There's two different methods, but the main um, kind of things that we're looking at is indicator species, so things like your parrotfish which are really important um, because they're herbivores or grazing herbivores. So they scrape all the algae off. They provide a new place for little babies, baby corals to settle, um, make sure that the algae and coral balance doesn't get out of check. Um, and you so, yeah, parrotfish, maybe sharks, crown of thorns, starfish, which are coral gobblers that eat the coral, wow. um, corralivores. Corallivores. Um, I've
1: never Coralivores. heard of we heard We've just learnt a new word <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> today.
0: <laughs> you know, English is the richest language. It has the most vocabulary. I believe
1: it. Of any <laughs> yeah. I'm writing it down. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> so
0: they're Yeah. Um, Butterfly fish are also corallivores, but not to the huge extent that the crown of thorns might eat um, coral polyps. Butterfly fish are a really good indicator of a healthy reef as well. If there's a healthy reef, we'll have and para- uh, we'll have a uh, butterfly fish. If there's no healthy reef, the butterfly fish has got nothing to eat, so they're not going to be around. Um, lots of little things like that, and then we also look at coral color to determine um, the health of the reef as well. So, um, a lot of people don't know, but especially on hard reefs. Corals get their colour from a little algae that lives inside their tissues. So the higher density of this little algae, it's a good algae that we want. The higher density of that algae in their tissues, the healthier they are, because um, the more they can photosynthesize, get lots of energy, and they turn that energy into um, food, sugar, carbohydrates for the coral to survive and build their skeleton, which is mm. a hard part of mm. the reef, the real structure.
2: And how do you so, how do you determine the like how bright it is, or how you measure how do you measure that?
0: Um, So we've got, there are a couple of different methods and um, the citizen science method that we use is called Coral Watch and um, it was developed by scientists at the University of Queensland and basically it uses a really simple colour scale. So um, you basically have this chart and you hold it up against the coral, you match the colour, the lightest and the darkest colour, so you get an idea of the range of um, the colony and then you mark the different coral types. So. For simplicity's sake, we just have the force the boulder, branching, plate or soft coral. And um, yeah, then you put this colour color data entries, I guess, into a database and it gives you an overall look of um, what the reef is looking like and the colours. So as a coral starts to become thick, it will start to actually lose its colour, which is what we often hear as bleaching. Um, so yeah, they're actually expelling those little algae that live inside their tissues that give them a lot of their colour and their food. Um, so if a wreath is not looking so healthy, it will start to fade or even bleach. Or if it's looking really healthy, it will have lots of those little algae living inside its tissues. And there'll be these really rich, dark, earthy tones, like your browns, your greens, your oranges, um, kind of like coffee crema, maple syrup kind of colours.
1: Hmm. Yum. Now we're just getting hungry. <laughs> 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 Maybe I'll be a coralivore. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> now we are running out of time a little bit so I'm just wondering um, if anyone wants to get in touch or learn more about um, Master Reef Guides or Lady Musgrave Experience um, I guess yeah we can put some links up onto our Out of the Blue Facebook page Um, but if you're wanting to get get there now you can go to www.facebook.com forward slash Master Reef Guides and then the programs run through the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park association or authority 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 Authority. thank you um so www.gbrmpa.gov.au and just search master reef guides there if you would like more information um, about that program and um, to learn all about the master reef guides there's great little bios on the page um, where you can learn about who the guides are and what they're about um, and i think as well where they're working so you can I guess try and pick a good tour operator that way as well um, and get that reef, master reef guide experience if you're heading up That's north. It. That's it. Don't
0: go to the reef without a master reef
1: guide. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Nat, thank yeah. you so much for joining us on Out of the Blue. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you. I think we could talk about coral. I think we'll have to get you back to do some <laughs> coral specials or something. Um, yeah. Yeah, in the near future. So thank you very much. I'd
0: be more than happy to come. Thanks so much
1: for having me. Not a problem. Uh, We're going to go to a track now. Um, This is mm, Lighthouse by The Waits.
3: save him, someone fall they show you where the danger lies. But he can't help it if you capsize, cause he will light your way, but that is all. Steer your own ship back to shore. Oh, ACR
2: support the rights of Indigenous Australians.
3: They mean to save our culture and save our dreams, our footprints, dreams, our song line and keep our culture going strong. Of course, a lot of the Aboriginals, having been stolen, were put into state care and also others... The ..recognition
0: were... of what our people have been through in the last 200 years, the recognition of our culture in the last
2: 40,000 years and the recognition of where we are heading into the future. Welcome to uh, Survival Day, Invasion Day. 223 years ago, the white man
3: landed on our shore.
0: Subscribe to 3CR and help keep Indigenous voices on air. Call us on 941983.com. Double
1: seven or visit 3CR.org.au. Subscribe now. Welcome back. You are tuned to 855 AM 3CR Community Radio and you're listening to Out of the Blue. Um, you can find us also at www.3cr.org.au forward slash radio blue. Um, that was Lighthouse by the Waifs, and before that we were interviewing Natalie Labartolo, a Master Reef Guide. Um, so if you missed the interview, we'll have it up on our podcast um, later today. Um, and Matt's got a little bit of an update for us now on a couple of marine pests that we find in Port Phillip Bay, the North Pacific Sea Star, sea star and the European Fan Worm. What have you got for us, Matt?
2: Uh, well, lately we've been seeing a lot of North Pacific Sea Star like on the beaches, and so they're like a little um, starfish about the size of your hand. And they've got little purple tips on them. Oh, yeah. One and these. Um, yeah, yeah, you they're see kind them of pretty. On the beach. Yeah, they're yeah. kind of pretty. Oh, starfish. Oh, well, they're actually yeah. invasive. And if you go for a snorkel in some places, you can't see the sand anymore because wow. there's so many of them. And uh, we don't really know what the impact of that will mm. be. Um, and people often confuse them with the 11 arm starfish, which is a bigger one. Yeah. And that's the native one. So that's one that should be left. But if you see the yellow one, um, report it to 13 fish on fisheries mm-hmm. um, just so they can get an idea of where they are. Or Parks Victoria. Yeah. And um, the other one. Do they, sorry, yeah, can I no. just
1: ask a question? Do they come and clean, like, clean them up, take them away, remove them, or is it just more of an awareness? that they need to know where the kind of blooms of them are, so to speak. It'd be
2: good to know the blooms and good yep. to know if we need to start doing cleanup projects and okay. like good for monitoring. So at this stage there's nothing mm. yet, but yeah. I mean, it's hard because unless you get every one of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. rabbits or foxes. It's... Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that's it's the same on the reef with the crown of thorns. Like yeah, true. So they're, they're having a big effect. Um, okay. The other one that's kind of uh, moving in a lot as well is the um, European fan worm. hmm um so there's an Australian fan worm. If you ever look at fan worms, they like this weird little worm that lives in a tube, looks mm. like
1: a straw. Yeah, I've seen these. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's quite hard. Like yeah. A, yeah, yeah. And they
2: have this like little fan and it pops out. Um and you can tell a European one because it's all spiraled. It's probably the prettier one. Okay. It's got this spiral that comes out whereas the normal fan worm, the native one, just comes straight out. Okay. It doesn't have this like nice, beautiful twist. So mm. the invasive one, like the Pacific sea star is the yeah. beautiful one, but um, <laughs> they're actually not great.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. So um, is it, are they very common, the European ones? Yeah, you like, are find them. Are they getting uh, more and more is what I'm trying to say? I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not 100% sure because there's not much yeah. research at all Yeah, man, okay. But-
2: um, every, nearly every pier in Melbourne now, you'll yeah, okay. see them all over it. And it, it'd be interesting to know
1: mm. how they're
2: competing with the native species. If they're forcing them out, mm. um, they are like taking a lot of the native food supply as well. So
1: yeah.
2: it's not great.
1: I read some research recently about fan worms, um, being, uh absorbers of microfibers and microplastics, like a, at a nano level as well. So that was kind yeah. of interesting. It was almost like an indicator species to say, yes, they are in these waters and no, they're not, or no, they're not. Um, so, wow. yeah. Yeah. Something else. Yeah, I can imagine because they've got stuff. that fan that they mm. just collect they all collect the little things, particles, yeah. like
2: just putting a big mm. net out into the ocean kind of thing. Yeah, and- pretty
1: much, and taking them in. Um I reckon we're almost out of time because we've got to make way because Sally is coming in next with Out of the Pan. Um, It was great to be with you all today on this Sunday morning. Um, Stay tuned. We'll be back next week with another show. Um, You're listening to Out of the Blue on 855 AM 3CR.